consecutive days. That's stunning to me, and so I'm just glad to be here. Um, we have been in our church <clears throat> really taking a long dive through the book of James, and we finished that at the end of last year. Uh, and there were just a few things in that book that I've been continuing to meditate over. You know, when you finish a book, the book isn't always finished with you. And so God has been continuing to work in my heart. Uh, and I thought about a particular aspect uh, for our time today briefly. James is the first, in my opinion, the first New Testament book written by a pastor uh, to people who are going out into an empire that has never heard of Christianity. You know, when we go to places, there are very few places around the world where if you say the word Christian or Christianity, they don't have some kind of concept. I'm not saying they understand it. I'm not saying they agree with it. But when you say the word Christian in almost any culture, in almost any place in the world, people at least have some understanding of what it is. But in the day that James was writing, very few people understood that. And so he was writing to people who God sent out into the Roman Empire. They were uh, enjoying the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. So when we read statements about the peace of God, it's in that context. The Roman Empire had a lord. His name was Caesar. And regularly throughout the year, there would be times in certain places where you would be asked as a citizen of Rome or someone living under its auspices to acknowledge the lordship of Caesar. And in Roman uh, ideology, he was also not just the lord, but he was the savior of Rome. And so here were a group of people who were being sent out into that context to talk about a very different kind of peace that came from a very different kind of lord and a very different savior. And so how did they do that? And I think the book of James has an image that James gives to help those people understand what they were supposed to do wherever they happened to be in the empire. And that image is in chapter 5, verse 8, where James says, You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. And we certainly pray for that. And I know this group is especially uh, asking for, for God to come. Uh, establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And back up in verse 7, that whole imagery, the word patient in verse 8, sort of opens in verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. So you can kind of see how that idea is bracketed there. And then right in the middle of those two ideas is this image. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. And so James says to the readers, you're like a farmer and you're in a field. You're in a hard place or a dark space and it's like a field and you are there because God wants to reap a harvest. It's interesting that the harvest that James is talking about is actually mentioned at the end of chapter 3, where he talks about wisdom from above being first pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason. So this is what should manifest itself in our life, so that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, so the people who James is describing as farmers are farming fields that are in hard places and dark spaces, and they're hoping to reap a harvest of righteousness. 
And in chapter 2, James is going to tell you about righteousness in the form of a man who was counted righteous because he believed. Abraham believed God, and his belief was counted to him. This is an accounting term. It's the idea of reckoning. It's the idea of imputing. We get our, our theology of imputation from this word. So here's the big picture that I see in James. James is writing to people, and he is saying to them, God has put you in a field, and you're to harvest a, a harvest of righteousness in that field. And if you stay in that field and you wait for the coming of the Lord, and you encourage yourself in the word of the Lord, and you strive to sow this harvest and reap this harvest, there are more Abrahams all around the world that God wants to reap. In that same chapter, in that same vein, there is a Rahab who is called out of Jericho and who aligns herself to the message that these two spies bring. And so with the time constraints we have, just think about it this way. God wants to call more Abrahams, and he wants to call more Rahabs. He wants to call more people who believe God, and it's counted to them for righteousness. He wants to call more Rahabs who are going to align themselves fully with the people of God, and he's going to use these farmers to do it. So what is it about these farmers that causes them to be successful in the reaping of Abraham's and in the reaping of Rahab's? And I think the answer is down in verse 16, where, where we read sort of in the middle of that, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And the very next statement in the book, after expressing what the prayers of a righteous man can do, is this. If anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so I believe that one of the keys to reaping more Abrahams and more Ahab, or Rahabs, rather, is to be like that farmer in chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, who is patiently waiting for the coming of the Lord in that hard space and in that dark place all around the world, and he is patiently sowing in the soil of peace seeds of righteousness that are going to produce more Abrahams and more Rahabs. And the key to that is the fervent praying of those righteous people. <clears throat> and so that's what you're doing here today. And that's what I hope God will do as we pray and as we lift up our voice to the Lord of the harvest, that we would be those kind of farmers wherever God puts us. You know, we on this call, I'm sure some of you have vocations that don't remotely look like ministry. You're, you're in a law firm or you're an educator. These are the fields where God has placed you. And in those fields, maybe there's an Abraham that God wants to bring to faith. Or maybe there's a Rahab that God wants to cause to align with his people. And you are the farmer in that hard place and in that dark space. And it's amazing what the fervent praying of people like that can do in bringing about a harvest of righteousness. So that's, uh, that's my thought, Stephen. It's brief. It's, um, 
it's concise, but it's it's deep. And I said the book, you know, we get through with the book, but the book never gets through with us. And that's what's going on in my heart.